Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Um, I Okay, so two weeks ago from the time that we're recording today, I did an episode with Becca, um, and I'll link to that in the show notes, but she told me about your book, Tim. So today I have Tim Toronto on the show with us, and I confess to him already that I am more than halfway done with his book, but not complete. I have not finished it. Um, So I did, I was kind of power reading to try and get through it all, but I trust that I've read what was, what was meant to be read for this interview. Um, The way I like, or not, it's not an interview, it's a conversation really, because the way I even like to start is to just have you introduce yourself and tell people who you are why this subject matter is important to you. I mean, clearly you wrote a book, so it's very important to you or was at one time. Um, Why you would say yes to me on the show, like just introduce yourself in whatever way feels Uh, right. Uh, My name is Tim Toronto. Um, I'm an author and a painter. Um, Yeah, uh, I'm really flattered. I don't, I wonder, I wonder who, what was Becca's last name? I'm excited. When uh, I, turn, I, yeah, I think it's like Turnachick. <laughs> turn. Awesome. Oh, I love, yeah. I love um, the changing hands aspect of books. It's really, yeah. uh, it's really meaningful. Those are meaningful connections to build with people. And I, I, yeah, I don't know Becca. I, I, but I'm really, um, yeah, flattered, humbled. Uh, proud that the book found her and then and in turn she gave it to someone else um, yeah that's the highest praise I think is um, for a piece of art is that um, the desire to share it you know and that's what the genesis of art comes from you know people who create art were lovers of art first um, so you know art moves us to emulation and I think there's a lot of good books out there probably no doubt that led me to writing this book but um but there's also something unique that kind of drives us to create a lot of the times like I just worked on a painting yesterday because it was a painting I really wanted you know that no one had made and and I I feel that way about books whether it's um there is a certain art in general but there's a certain necessity like you have to write the book sometimes you really need um it'd be convenient sometimes when someone else has written it already and you could turn to that book and right. kind of find some wisdom or solace there, but that, that book doesn't exist you have to write it. So I feel like there was a real need um, that led me to write my first book, Ars Botanica, which is the book you're talking about. Yeah. And that was maybe four years ago or so. Yeah. I, I looked, I was like, when did, when was this written? Mm-hmm. 2017. Four years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Holy I know. Um, so again, the book is called Ars Botanica. When she mentioned it, I quickly wrote down the title and then I had to like 
I had to search a little bit to find it. Oh yeah. And I got a used copy, which is kind of special. Like who else's hands has it been in? But I was grateful to get a copy. Um, and then eventually I reached out to you. Um, scrolled you. way back in your Instagram. I was like, is this really, is this really <laughs> it? I was like, there it is. There's the book. I felt like I'd found a gold mine. And then um, I had written to you and said, do you have any copies left? So it's, (laughs) yeah. So it sounds like it's, is it not still being published at all? Like the copies you have are what exist? Yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, it just, it's, yeah, I I guess I'll be totally frank. It just was a bad, uh, the publisher, was not um an honest individual kind of um i wasn't the only one but there were many authors and artists that were the publisher yeah that hadn't been given any royalties and who were um cheated um so as part of uh you know luckily you know through twitter other authors kind of shared their stories like hey have you been paid have you been paid yeah yeah we realized we were all um yeah, kind of had our our work stolen from us, so we got to banded together, and uh, I got the rights to my book returned to me. Good. And, uh, I got all copies of the book returned to me, uh, no money, um, but that's okay. Uh, it's okay now. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, okay. Right. It's okay now. Um, yeah, so I retained the rights to the book, and someday I would like to um, get the book. Uh, now that I retain the rights, I could have them i can have the book published again and re- and reprinted and someday maybe i'd like to do that yeah i hope um, that you do it is a stunningly beautiful book thanks, and those are not words that we're finding in the abortion conversation very often um yeah. what i love about your book so much and it is deeply disappointing that the publisher kind of miss the boat on this experience (laughs) um because it's so beautiful it's beautiful to hold it's beautiful to read like this book like feels like an experience um what i love about your storytelling the most and you're gonna have to tell us more because you teach writing right like this is like your your thing (laughs) yeah um it's just it's such a um blend of different kinds of art right like there's like the art of nature and the art of music and the art of word and the art of relationship and like the art of emotion like it is so beautiful thank you when you went through this experience of um being a part of an abortion with a partner did you know right away you were supposed to write about it Oh, no way. Uh, yeah, no way. I really do believe that um, um, the pearl analogy is always good, that like a pearl is something very beautiful that's created out of uh, a discomfort or a perturbance or yeah. something in the soft body of a mollusk, a grit of sand or something is uncomfortable. And out of it, that discomfort, the mollusk or the oyster will accrete, um, you know, that mother of pearl and, and, and kind of work around that discomfort until eventually it's this object of beauty 
but that was birthed out of something painful. So I don't, I think it was really out of necessity. I didn't know I would make art about it. I was terrified to make art about it. Um, mm. I think that's maybe why I had to make art about it, why I ended up making art about it. I think that um, when things become taboo, we can't talk about them is when like, whoever said like, oh, I had a really, a really trying experience, but then I just never talked about it and it, and now it's okay. Like no one ever said no one ever. Yeah. You know, like that yeah. kind of like um, the void or the abyss or that stoicism is like, is a wound, you know? And um, I, I don't know, it's, I, I felt that um, as much as I did not want to make art about an abortion, I made art out of abortion to process the experience in the only way that I had available to me. I feel like as a man, you know, I found myself like on like forums, like, hey, is anyone, you know, like just trying to like, like men, uh, in abortions, like I couldn't find anything. There was no community, yeah. uh, there was no dialogue about it. So um, I created that dialogue in that space myself by writing in the book. You know, yeah. then then people would come to me. Men would come to me. Women would even come to me. Yeah. Lots of women, actually. Lots of women would come to me and share their stories. And um, uh, yeah, because it's this thing is, is it's just, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just going to speak my truth, I guess. Like, I don't quite know where you're coming from. But I would say that, like, um, there's a certain amount of insincerity in the conversation that doesn't serve anybody on yeah. any side. And I think that anytime uh, something becomes, um, falls into the uh, arena of, of politics, it's just like, you're no longer having a sincere conversation. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and art is a place where you can have sincere, difficult conversations. So, um, yeah, I, th I think people, and one thing I'm interested in the book, I, I remember writing the book thinking like, man, people who are pro-life are going to hate this book. And then writing this book and thinking, man, people who are pro-choice are going to hate this book. I thought everyone would hate this book. I, know. I mean, at some point I was like, everyone's going to hate this, you know, but it was the opposite. You know what yeah. I mean? It was a really positive and sincere from everybody, which yeah. I could not anticipate um, so in that ways, you know, I don't, I guess I, did, I was reluctant to talk about the publisher only because like, I, I really don't measure, consider that the criteria of success for the book. The book was successful because it found thousands of people who have, I've had really meaningful connections with. And, and, mm. and this one too, you know, just having an opportunity to talk to you, this book, like, it's not like, oh, I read, oh, I read, uh, the Handmaid's Tale. It was, it was cool. You know, it's not like, it's like, this is one of those books that like doesn't find a lot of people, but when it finds them, it like hits them like a meteor. And yeah. I've had really great experiences with people. I, like I've had people come to my farm, you know, and bring me a plant. And <laughs> I've like made friends with people through this book. And there's a recommendation for young writers who read the book. And it's been amazing. Yeah. It, out of something very painful. I don't yeah. even know where I was starting with this but yeah well I, I agree with you completely when I had I had my abortion actually the year that you published this book so four years ago wow. I had my own abortion and I remember I mean I talk about this a lot but 
I just felt like everything I want to say about abortion, everyone's going to hate. Pro-life is going to hate. Pro-choice is going to hate. And it took me a good two years. I don't know. You may have given dates in the book. I can't remember. I don't know how long it took you to write this, but it took me two years to start speaking my truth and being like, I don't know. I'm in the middle. I call it a baby. I did end its life and it's super sad and it was a hundred percent the right choice. So I don't know whose side I'm on, but I'm me. Like this is my story right. and it's all right. the things. <laughs> right. And I think yeah. that, but I don't, what, what you're feeling is closer to the truth. And I think that by like saying that, you know, playing these rhetorical games, like, Oh, it's just a cluster of cells. Like, Oh, come on. It's like a woman's body and no one else is like, no, we know, there's culpability on multiple individuals in a pregnancy. We know that. And we know that like, if you tell somebody that like it's nothing and that it's just a phantom and a shadow and an illusion, then you don't allow them to properly process and mourn what happened. Like yeah. you could say, why couldn't you say like, yes, this is a grave act, but it's a real act. But like, by like keeping it in the void, it does not help anybody. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I like I had like an agenda to bring this out of the void and put it into the light, but like I it was out of necessity. I had no one to talk to about it. Yeah. And like I had to talk to myself about it. I like initially, you know, I wrote the book as like, you know, fiction, <laughs> um, which is autofiction, you know, ended up being autofiction, which ended up being nonfiction. But by that, you know, it's like, you know, um, I needed to create somebody, I needed to create, I didn't have anybody I felt who had, could share my unique experience. So I had to like write myself onto the page to show myself how to get through it. Like I needed like an avatar of myself talking about the experience. So I finally had that companionship, which yeah. is my stuff. Yeah, but I needed right. the right person <laughs> into existence to be like, oh, see, he knows yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, even when I didn't know so there was a yeah. lot of unknowing it was very taboo I was terrified of my family reading it I was terrified of my ex reading it I was terrified of everyone reading it I didn't want to share the book with anyone um, and it really came out of I had an agent who I was just having a hard time when I was going through the uh, abortion and the wake of it just because I was I was I was part of the understanding that like there was something immodest or something like loony to say that like you know there was a life and I was culpable in ending it and like and just because I felt like I had to like be so cagey about my rhetoric that I couldn't say that so I was like carrying a yeah carrying around this phantom and I really had no I was really it was really eating me up I had no words I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone about it you know, I talked to some other guys and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, my ex, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, she, she was pregnant. By the way. And then I remember seeing, like, why did things turn out? And they're, like, really bad. <laughs> like, uh-huh. like, we split up. Or, like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, it was not good. Like, I, I I paid for an abortion for this girl I had a one-night stand with. And, like, oh, I don't talk to her. No, 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 I don't talk to her. Or, like, yeah. oh, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, we're not together. Like, it was really, like, men didn't want to talk about it. But we're also, like, but there was an understanding that it wasn't something casual, flippant, or something like empowering I think like somehow the dialogue is like you know like I don't know like chemotherapy is like a really 
it's an important tool we have, but it's also really like uh, to combat cancer, but it's also the effects of chemo are really intense and really brave, you know, on an individual. We don't have like t-shirts or stickers or pins that are like shout your chemo or something. Right. I don't know. It's like something is not. Yeah. Something about the community we've created does not really support the individuals who are at the crux of it. That's yeah. it. So that's yeah. where art kind of intercepted for me. I'm really, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of you that like your experience drove you to create this podcast because that you, it looks like you kind of created the community that could serve you in your unique circumstances. It, I mean, well, like, I did it, the same thing you did. I had an abortion and I looked around like, what the fuck? Where are my people? Who, who are my resources? What do I do? And yeah. I never found them. And so because I never found them, I created them. Right. And yeah. so now when people message me and say, I can't believe I found you, there's yeah. really a little piece of me thinking, I wish I'd found me. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I wish I'd found me after I'd had mine. Um, but I'm grateful that I didn't, right? Because I was able to create what I've created sure. in the last four years. But I know exactly what you mean by that. Like what I wanted didn't exist. The conversation I needed to be having wasn't happening, wasn't happening in a place I had access to it. Yeah. And so I decided to find my brave pants and create something. Yeah. Um, or scared pants. Scared pants and brave pants are yeah, also interchangeable sometimes. <laughs> totally. Totally. Right. I think brave is like bringing the fear with you. It's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm still scared. I mean, I'm still scared. I, I do work that is super controversial and that is sure. not always the most um, comforting thing but yeah I do it because it's so important I feel like Essential. I was called to it the way this book had to come through you um but I'm curious when the last time you like picked it up and read anything from it was oh gosh oh yeah um couple years yeah yeah a couple years for sure which is funny uh, to think about because that's another uh, interesting aspect of art and and maybe by extension the podcast uh, I can't think of any like better analogies than like an external hard drive or something but like I think there's something really important that like what art becomes a repository for certain emotions that we maybe aren't made to carry around with us all the time like I didn't like my my ex had um, you know there was a complexity to the situation too where like they were, it was a, the pregnancy was for twins and she didn't tell me until afterwards. And like, she's like, that wouldn't have changed how you felt. And I'm like, I don't know if it would have changed how I felt. I just don't know. I just, the more, you know, I wish yeah. I'd known. I wish I'd, but then again, I wish I had felt like as a man, I had a place to be more, to have more opinions. I feel like as a man, man sometimes you don't feel like you're allowed to have any opinions about yeah. the situation. Like I felt like being a mensch meant like just being like, oh, pay for the abortion. Like that's it. Like that was my that was my that that was my piece. Yeah. Which looking back seems absurd that I sat I sat aside because I was like you know oh gosh I'm just, you know like I'm I, I'm a, I'm not allowed to have any opinions 
I'm the worst kind of person, a white man, you know, like, I don't know, yeah, that's yeah. not fair, that's not fair or generous or like, or just like responsible of yourself. Um, I think but, it's, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I don't know, go ahead. Yeah. I just think it's so, it, it's a really interesting look at, um, you, there needs to be a place where you can have the opinion and it yeah. becomes a conversation and it opens up yeah. the complexity. It doesn't mean a woman's going to carry a pregnancy because you had an opinion, right? Sure. It's like men who have thoughts and opinions aren't necessarily out to like save all the babies or control their women. They no. just have thoughts and feelings and we need places to, to for those thoughts and feelings to land. Totally, especially because even, even I know that for I know what you're saying is true, and hearing you say it, but it still seems like radical hearing you say it like that. Like right. Somebody who's like directly implicated on a cellular level in this process is like doesn't feel like they have a right or a voice or are allowed to have like a conversation. Um, I do, yeah, but you know. But to your point, like, I think it was good to have, put these things in a book sometimes so I didn't have to carry some of these difficult or complex motions with me. The, the art becomes a repository. Like, you, when it becomes a book, you can put these things down. And it allowed me to, that allowed me to, like, it's not like I got over it, but the art was an easier way to accommodate the emotion. I was, like, by carrying it with me as art or as a book, it was better than carrying with me, better. It was better, yeah, than carrying with me as trauma. Yeah. Oh, art and so psychic good. scar tissue. And, you know, because the things you don't learn to work out through art or spirituality or therapy, like you take into your next relationships. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm, I'm happily married now and I'm a good husband because I found a way to accommodate some difficult baggage I had or yeah. difficult experiences I had through art. Yeah. Um, and 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 I and the art the art gave me courage to yeah to have a voice and then to have a place in this conversation. I remember I read at Women and Children's shout out to Women and Children's first bookstore in Chicago. They're the best. Um, <laughs> they're the the coolest people. Um, but their book buyer she said to me, she was like, between you and me, she was like, I, you know, the only men that I feel have a conversation and she have a voice in this conversation are the ones who are directly implicated. You know what I mean? The ones who are part of the, the you know, the, the pregnancy, whether it comes to term or not, like that's yeah. who, it should have a voice. And I was like, cause I, I felt, you know, really weird speaking at like a feminist bookstore in Chicago. I was like, I was like, what am I doing here? But luckily I was just so like in the zone with the art that like, I didn't have time to be self-conscious too much. Yeah, so, I was just thinking, I mean, it makes sense that as women, we have these wounds where we're afraid to hear men's voices, right? Because in all of our programming, men's voices are control, men's voices are oppression, men's voices are, you know, restriction. So our fear makes sense that we're afraid to hear your opinions. We're afraid to hear your thoughts because we think they're going to control us. 
But at the same time, like we have to do that work. Like we have to hear your opinion and, and receive it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And like receive it and work it out on our own. Like, wow, he has an attachment to this baby that I didn't think about. That doesn't mean I'm going to keep the baby when I don't want to. It doesn't mean that I'm going to abort the baby in revenge or spite or something. But as a woman, I'm going to take that responsibility to hear his opinion, hold space for his feelings and still decide. And it might be hard. Like it might be hard. I remember. um, So some of my listeners have heard me tell the story. My husband and I thought that I might be pregnant and I took a test and it was negative. And before I took the test, we both knew that we were done having kids. We had three kids and we, we knew that abortion was the choice. And I took the test and it was negative and we both confessed to each other that we were so relieved it was negative because we didn't think we could follow through on the abortion. And it was this like, we know that what's what would be best, but I don't think we can do it. And we both had the same feeling. Then of course I took three more tests that were positive. We ended up talking through it all and feeling through it all and choosing abortion. It was hard. It was like the hardest decision I've ever made, but being able to hear and know that it was hard for him too. And that he had feelings like, that didn't mean I was going to make my decision because of him, but I had to hold mm. space for all that in my yeah. decision-making. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you know, that that's really fortunate that, I mean, the fortunate aspect of an unfortunate event is that you were able to have, you know, honest conversations about what you were feeling. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think just, you know, political tribalism hasn't served anyone at all. And that's the hard part because then it makes these things even more exacerbated. Like I know a woman who worked for Planned Parenthood and she was at a Planned Parenthood fundraiser and she was very pregnant and people kept making jokes with her like, oh, come on, like you're making us look bad or something like that. And she was like, you're not allowed to like make a joke about like... You know, like, it's not a, a good joke to make. Like, I can be, this woman's like, I'm allowed to, like, be pro-choice and pro-women's reproductive rights, but also be pro-mother. Like, the yeah. two are not mutually exclusive. And I think anyone, and I think even if the people who made the jokes knew that, no doubt, but there's, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, it takes a lot of emotional responsibility to be able to hold those two things. Like I can be an amazing mother and abort my child. And yes, I do think it was a child. And yes, if you want to use the language, I did kill her. If if that's what makes you feel better to tell it that way, fine. But I can hold both those things. And that takes a lot of emotional responsibility to be like, totally. those two things can't be true at the same time, but they are. (laughs) They are. No, and they are. And, And also you're just like that that is emotional sincerity I think and I think that's just yeah just in the public discourse hard hard to get at I I think you're right like like um and I think that's maybe the part of the real tone deaf aspect of it is 
in the public discourse is that I feel that like yeah. you just like I don't know I feel like people could meet come to some common ground if they just said that like you know it is it is it was a child like even like when I wanted to like refer and use like child in the book like even my editors like you can't say that you can't say it was a baby like don't say that you know you can call it a pregnancy or like that. but even even in the editing process that was yeah. hard to do yeah. and my wife my wife now is a cnm she's a, a she's a, a nurse practitioner midwife nice. and that changed a lot of her beings where she's like no you know like i have delivered babies that have survived that are legal to abort in states i've lived in like and i think like being part of she's like we definitely treat it like a baby early on in these these pregnancies she's worked for indian health services you know and and certain groups of people have different cultural understandings of pregnancies so yeah. you know she's worked with the well it was just so wild to me that like i'm a mom i'm really in tune with my body i felt when like the egg implanted in my uterus for my kids like my living breathing yeah. kids and how could i call those pregnancies that i wanted babies at yeah. four weeks five weeks like literally yeah. it was just an egg and yeah. then with this other one it's like suddenly a not a baby like this makes no sense and so where yeah. what am i supposed to do with that right um but yeah i and i think i've been really trying to find words and struggling with the my body my choice conversation because it's a beautiful amazing thing it is my body and it is my choice yes but and <laughs> that doesn't mean i can't hold space for your opinions right like it, it i could have if i just grabbed that rhetoric and ran with it i could have said to my husband i'm not talking about it it's my body my choice right yeah. i could have just taken that yeah, and you would have felt justified in doing that. Right. But I think afterwards, I would have felt like, oh, what were his thoughts? What were his opinions? How sure. now I'm married to this man who I'm spending the rest of my life with, and I never even asked him how he felt about it. Like, for True. me, that wouldn't have worked. It was my body. And ultimately, it was my choice. But part of my choice included the full spectrum of the whole experience. It has to. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, you know, that takes a wisdom, you know, I don't, yeah. I think like also inviting people into the conversation that might not feel like they have a voice. I think a lot of men don't feel like they have a voice in the conversation. I mean, I mean, maybe if I had a voice in the conversation, you know, intimately or in the, in the public sphere, I, yeah, like that means that like we would have more tools for people to process difficult things and, you probably wouldn't need to make the art to accommodate it. So, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> art finds well, a way. I'm really glad you created this, this work. I Thanks. personally Thanks. hope you do publish it again someday. Um, I did order a few copies from you that I would like Surprise. to give away. I sent you a free, I sent you a free one. Ah! It's that next one. <laughs> you're the best yeah. so i haven't figured out how i'm gonna do that but by the time this episode airs i will post okay. another little um update so everyone can um so at least a few people can get their hands on this i book. love that and, um, and let them know the uh if anyone 
uh, I'm really receptive to email or if anyone has any has any questions for me for, upon reading the book and wants the, the conversation to continue, I'll, you can always reach out like awesome. you did. You can always What's reach the out. best way? I found you on Instagram because that's kind of where Instagram, I go to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Instagram or, or my, yeah, I think my email is on there too. So. Perfect. Well, we will give too. all the links. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to finish this book yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm probably going to read it again and again and again. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that. I have my little flags. A little, And I think yeah. every place that I flagged in the book was something about art and expression. Uh, so thank you. Well, you All know right. what, but I, before we sign off, I just wanted to say one thing yeah. like the, um, Props to the people who actually created the book. You know, the publisher was the sleazeball. Yeah. But the people who actually worked to create the book, the editor, Naomi Huffman, and the book designer, Albin Fisher, and other editor, Catherine Eves, were all awesome people. And that's why the book is so beautiful. I props um, to them because it really is <laughs> so beautiful. I'm, I'm going to self-publish soon. And, oh, awesome. Um, I just have always had a vision of it being square. And so when I got your book in the mail, I was like, You're like another square, square. book. <laughs> I'm going to make a square book that will fit next to this square book. Yeah. <laughs> but you're, this is just gorgeous. It's so well done. Yeah. I really, truly appreciate it. It's really been nice talking to you. All right. Have a good afternoon. And you too. Bye-bye. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.